0: We is some points about Harambam Maimonides as a man of all seasons. First of all, we had made the point that Maimonides was a man of genius and of brilliance. We quoted sources that were contemporary to the Rambam and certainly to the next 100 to 200 years, all who lauded, who praised the Maimonides as a man of great intellect. Certainly the phrase that has been mentioned, the Moshe, the Moshe, the Moshe, the Moshe, from Moshe Rabbeinu all the way till Moshe Maimonides, there was nobody like Moshe himself. Of course, there's a certain intentional ambiguity in that particular context, meaning that the Rambam was certainly at least on the same plane as Moshe Rabbeinu. And as well, let's make the point that we quoted contemporary academicians. The academician is somebody who has a profession of pursuing truth, as somebody who is required to know every single detail of his field. When you speak to the people from the very top of their fields whether it's at Harvard or any of the top universities you know these people have mastered their disciplines. And when they make a statement about their particular discipline you know that it's coming from an appropriate source. And we had taken note that Isidotr Torsky Rabbi Torsky Dr. Torsky who is professor at Harvard who one could say, knew every single phase of Maimonides' life better than perhaps any contemporary living person. If you were to read his book on Introduction to Maimonides' Vishnath Torah, which is a 600-page book, you will be convinced of this fact that (coughs) Dr. Swarovski knew the Rambam. And you read Chapter 6 of this book, you will see that Robert Tversky, Lord as well, the genius of Maimonides. Was he the son of the Lord of Yes, correct. Yes, 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 exactly. And as well, Marvin Fox, also a British academician, somebody who was known as a great scholar of Maimonides. And I would t- mention now at this point that certainly both of these two works, Tversky's work as well as Marvin Fox's book, is required reading for anybody that wants to know Maimonides and if one were to say I know Maimonides without reading these two books I'd be very skeptical of it these two books, one from the philosophical perspective, one from the historical perspective clearly indicate a vast and profound knowledge of Maimonides and Dr. Fogg's statement over here and it should be taken seriously the study of my mind is a rewarding experience for anyone who seeks to benefit from a confrontation with one of the greatest minds of the ages what an extraordinary statement that my mind is one of the greatest minds of the ages and one of the profoundest interpreters of all Judaism that statement in and of itself by a person who knows the vast panorama of Jewish thinking is a hard stopper. One stops and says, are you sure you want to say this? And yet, here's a person who spent his life studying Maimonides you are convinced when you read Maimonides through his eyes that Maimonides is indeed one of the greatest minds of the ages and one of the profoundest interpreters of Judaism. So when you go back a thousand years and you say, what were they saying about Maimonides back there then? And you come to a contemporary view and you say, what do they saying about Maimonides right now? you see a correspondence of thought that these people believe Amari to be a great and brilliant mind. Even his critics, Amari's critics, certainly acknowledge his brilliance. Even those who burnt his books, burnt his books that so were afraid of his brilliance. And again, as mentioned last week, one could see a very clear parallel to the brilliance of Robert. Elavageur. Interestingly enough, and perhaps not accidentally Robert was a great Maimonidean as well he said one cannot study Talmud without recourse to Maimonides, Mishneh Torah and he as well is burnt in some circles and lauded in other circles and certainly of course it's true that even his critics have to acknowledge over Salvation's brilliance as well. So you see that contemporary parallel. You mean, and there, you mean, you mean figuratively right now, In which he case? Which not context? He wasn't uh, figuratively. Figuratively. Right, figuratively. But there are those who would like to. They would like to. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, one should one should see these two books. But again, these, neither of these two books are light reading. It's not your bedtime dozing off kind of reading. Both books are very heavy and very um, Hard to get through. But from my point of view, certainly worth the effort. So point number one is that Maimonides is a serious mind who has to be taken seriously. Point number one. This brilliance expressed itself in my mind as a Talmudist, as a Baal halacha. Here is a man who had taken the hundreds of thousands of details, hundreds of thousands of details of Jewish law and analyze them, conceptualize them, and classify them into a coherent whole known as Mishneh Torah. One element. The second element would be that Haramban is somebody who was a master of his own contemporary literature of science and philosophy, and saw this in confrontation with Jewish teachings, and was we willing to boldly confront these new teachings and to where necessary reinterpret Judaism in light of modern knowledge so too Rabbi Salvation but let's leave that as before where they
1: would reinterpret
0: before Rambam or afterwards? no yeah, before every great mind does this I will come to that point in a few minutes as to seeing the Rambam's Unending legacy to us will be that model. Get to that point in a few minutes. But yes, great minds who cannot be restricted or are not restricted to only study of Jewish sources. Because you have a great mind. You have so. What makes a great mind a great mind? What's the foremost, most important quality of a great mind? You, you tell me, because you know, because you are. Put you on the spot. Curiosity. Good. Exactly. That kind of curiosity. That kind of intellectual boldness does not only stop with what you have in front of you, but it goes beyond. It's a trait of the mind. There are some people who have no curiosity whatsoever. Right? It's not only a trait of the mind, it's
1: a trait of the... In other words, if you're reading the Bible text, you can't read it without science involved, because there's a... Oh, but hundreds of
0: thousands of, millions of Jews do. we not curious. But you deliberately ignore it. In other words, the science is there. It's the, Okay, did you, I mean, I don't know, but... Uh, yes, I would say many ignore it. Ignore it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I see it on every page, but you're right. Many, many will ignore it. Many will study all Jewish texts without any curiosity whatsoever. But I think it's a feature of the mind, or a feature of some element where you want to know more. Look at another perspective. Take another profession. Let's say you're a lawyer or a doctor. You may want to master that field right? and you may become a fantastic physician or lawyer now it's a certain trait of mine that's able to master the details of that particular profession you become a great surgeon but some of the great surgeons that I know are very naive when it comes to Judaism simplistic and cannot choose not to go even beyond the most simple formulation of what Judaism is all about simplistic but they're great surgeons so they lack that particular feature of mind but they're great surgeons or they could be great scientists and they too as well lack that need to know other disciplines let's say in philosophy they're great biologists but they're very poor philosophers
1: you no, sorry. sorry? it could be, could be it just like a lack of interest, of, more than lack interest
0: uh, in that particular field <clears throat> okay but, uh, yeah. but a person like Maimonides has that quality of mind who is concerned to know everything about everything. Of
1: you
0: can uh, That's another issue. Yeah, yeah. That's another issue. Yeah. Sorry? It didn't figure it out. It figured out that that he can become a master in all <coughs> things. The Rambam did. Yeah, the Rambam did. Of all available knowledge. Today he may not be able to. <laughs> I, I, for one was fascinated by knowledge in, in general and specifically about Jewish philosophy. But at a certain point, I made a conscious decision of not going beyond the 16th century. Although, actually, I said more accurately, I went biblical, Talmudic, Midrashic, right? And went from biblical studies all the way to the 15th century. And I skipped 500 years by choice and then went to the 20th century in contemporary Jewish philosophy. Welcome. Yeah, it seems w- so... w- why did I do that? Well, I made a conscious. I didn't want to know anything after the 15th century.
1: <laughs>
0: I didn't have time. No time. <laughs> I mean, and, and all
2: of my orals. Like, sorry? So you pick the perfect community to practice that.
0: To, to, no, a community, I, I have to I stop at the 8th or 7th or 6th century. But, you know, it's, 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 you know, way beyond, way earlier than that. It went way beyond my, my needs for this community. So, so I, I remember making that choice of just stopping to learn to know, although I wanted to, but I stopped myself. I will not know more than that. So I went those first 1,400 years, let's say, biblically, talmudically, midrashically, and then studied, and my orals that I took them from my PhD, and those I had gone, let's say, College, finished college. I went for three more years to study Talmud, get a semichat, which was not the point. And never wanted to become a practicing rabbi, then I started to get a PhD. So, where do you go for more knowledge about Judaism? Right? So, I went for a PhD, seven more years for that. And my orals reflect that interest, that curiosity to go beyond. So, I took orals in three different areas. So, you know, one in philosophy, and one in midrash, and whatever, and one in biblical commentary. Right? And then I stopped at that point and said, look, but I still want to know modern Jewish philosophy because I have curiosity about how they're going to solve the problem of the Holocaust and other issues that plagued me. So I want to know the answer to those questions. So then I went to the 20th century. And all my reading reflects those interests. But I did constantly stop at one point. So you're right, you can't know everything but everything. But the Rambam's kind of a mind was the attempt to know everything about everything. Everything worth knowing had to be known from whatever source, as we will see in a few minutes. There's, there seems to be a mystery about where the Rambam picked up all his knowledge about Aristotle, where and when. Uh, is there anything? Yeah, everything. About that? Yeah, absolutely. Where, was it in northern Spain, or was it... Uh, no, no, in northern Africa, or was it... Uh, in mean Spain, his early years. His early Spain. Years? Yeah, in his early years in Spain. But as he went along, he was a kind of mind that always absorbed from his environment he always absorbed he, he always teachers, was thinking, right? always learning
1: sorry He said once because we didn't
0: really know the teachers right no, we, we know the gosh, we know the reed right. I mean that's in a certain uh, uh, intellectual sense he didn't know the reed himself right. but he, he learned from those those who were his rabbinic teachers we don't know who his philosophical teachers are. but he read he just read widely so whatever and many of the tracts were translated from the Greek to Arabic and he of course knew Arabic so he learned as he went along you have you to. No Greek and Arabic. No, no. Arabic, no Greek. Only, Only Arabic. Arabic. Right. Okay, so this was... He, pres- he wrote in Arabic. Didn't he? In some of his works. Oh, okay. Because that was the lingua franca. Okay. The Rambam wanted to teach, as we'll see as we go along, the common man as well as the intellectual. And we'll see that in a few minutes. And Arabic was the language of communication. It means that today, if you're concerned about this you write in English. You don't write in even in Hebrew, perhaps, because most who can't read Hebrew today. Most Jews can't read Hebrew. Most Jews can read English, right? So even intellectual Israelis who do PhD work, they read English. But most Americans can't read Hebrew well. So you should write in English.
2: But, but in the world of Torah,
1: that is not true because all of the writings throughout the ages that have survived Hebrew. have
2: become right. part of our... Correct. Cultural, our absolutely correct. they used the language of time. Yeah, in some cases.
0: Yeah, but Ricky's right that the Rambab's works may have been lost if they remained only in Arabic whenever translated into Hebrew. So that, but that would have been irrelevant to the period of the Rambam's time. So this is something that we be pursued as we go along. Okay, good. So now, this brings expressed itself as a Talmudist, as a person who had analyzed and classified and conceptualized hundred thousand years of Halakha, into mishneh Torah, point number one. As well, his brilliance expressed itself in a mastery of contemporary literature of science and philosophy, and confronting this knowledge against Judaism, and reinterpreting in light of this knowledge that sort of is when well, we we'll say the guide to the perplex Bukhim. what's Morena Bukhim about? it's about a person we skipped over it last time because we lost because we had another time Morena Bukhim is for somebody who is a master Torah literature and has mastered contemporary science and philosophy and now sees a contradiction between these two so what does one do, to do at that point? what do you do at that point? you have problems you are, you are perplexed so Rambam attempted to attempted to understand Torah knowledge in light of the contemporary science and philosophy and the result is Morin it's one which takes science and philosophy seriously takes of course Torah study seriously and you're perplexed so now you have to read this book to reinterpret where necessary Judaism in light of science and philosophy Now one can, as we'll come to in a few moments, can easily see the parallels to contemporary thinking. We'll come to that. So here you have somebody who has mastered Torah, mastered the truths of Greek wisdom, has a confrontation, has an intellectual crisis, and the Rambam attempts to guide you through that intellectual crisis. Right? Good. Maimonides was a brilliant mind. The second point we made was Maimani was a man as well of great compassion and kindness. He was not a man uh, of an, as an, as an ivory tower intellect whatsoever. Amban was concerned as all great communal leaders with Jews wherever they were. Especially we took note of his which was not a work of great scholarship but a work of great compassion and care. It's a great work to read. It's a work about Jews who are now being forced to convert to Islam. Jews are being tortured. Jews are under intense pressure. Harabam is not interested in dealing with their intellectual needs, but rather emotional needs. Not all intellectual people are concerned about the needs of the other. Harambam was. He was concerned about their emotional needs, and this is therefore not to be viewed as a work of scholarship, but rather as a work of compassion, and of course he was concerned about the social needs of his own people. Haramban did not spend ten years day and night writing Torah for himself. He had no need for it for himself, obviously. He did it simply for the average person in the street. He wrote it in a simple Hebrew. He was concerned about that common person. Mishneh Torah, common person. Murenda an intellectual, who is perplexed, one who has mastered Torah literature, and now philosophical literature, and confused and perplexed. Harambam addressed both of those personalities out of a concern for the needs of all. So, Rambam as community leader, one aspect. Rambam as brilliant intellectual, another aspect. Third point was, <coughs> The Rambam was, quote, a man for all seasons, unquote. So that is, our interest in Harambam is not only of an antiquarian sort, but rather one can say that we concerned about the Rambam because of its great contemporary significance. I was going to begin now with this third point. I'm going to ask you the question To be a man for all seasons has to have what quality? Why would somebody be a man for all seasons? What's the key word? He has to be... Timeless. Timeless, good. Or said other way, relevant. Timeless or relevant. Right? In every generation. So now that's the next question. How is Harambam most relevant for our generation? How is Hanambam most relevant? Is that an exaggeration? Or is Hanambam really relevant for the Jewish people today? Not in terms of his works, but in terms of something else. Why is he most relevant? Critical and necessary. Without whom we may close up shop of Judaism. Not only is he timeless, but he's also timely. Yes, correct. Exactly. Good. Well stated. Why? What does the Rambam give you today? Yeah. It's adaptable. Said, what is adaptable? He says the it's not adaptable. Not good enough. He's True, not good but not good practical enough. Methodology. What methodology for what? To... to gave no, he, gave freedom. Freedom.
1: he gave us... The... No, freedom. Gave us
0: the no, not good enough. No, 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 no. Harvey's going to answer that's questions. Practical ways to, to follow the proactive people. No, 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 no. The integrated science with... Not good enough. So it's irrelevant to me right now. I, I don't give about his science now. He gave us the model. The authoritative model, underlying the word authoritative, and underlying the word model. For what? In confronting the challenges and intellectual crises of this generation. And in fact, thank you, every generation. Because every single generation is modern in its own times, is it not? The 13th century was modern. In fact, some of the community today believes that is. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. So, that is the case. Harambam gave us the authoritative model of confronting modern issues which take place in every single generation. 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 18th, 19th, 20th generation. Every generation has its own set of unique challenges and intellectual crises. And Harambam is the authoritative model because all I have to say is the Rambam said it, and that bows in silence anybody who's conflicting or questioning or challenging me. If you have my Maradhan sources at your fingertips, it shuts up anybody who questions that what you're saying.
2: Except for the guy who wanted
0: to burn the book. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's very nice of you. you yes, I do need that. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's nice of you, too. Thank you. Um, yes, but even he, even he, in one particular interesting, I once uh, was talking to a um, very nice man, and uh, I was saying the him said something in Maimonides uh, chapter 3, 1 King chapter 3, uh, part 3, chapter 26 about explaining the details of the commandments I'm going to do it right now and he said it's impossible Ram have said that right so I said I'll show it to you I can show it to you in English Arabic or Hebrew The evil Hebrew or modern Hebrew what would you prefer Words. English sorry you want to it? <laughs> I don't know that Marans was translated to Yiddish it's a good question I don't know it's a good academic question so he saw it he said he couldn't have said it I said but here it is you, you just read it in English, which is your chosen language. It's be. It says it black on white, about, then the relevance of reasons for details in the commandments. You just read it. Read it out loud. You read it out loud. What does this mean? It can be. It's an interesting issue intellectual phenomena. When somebody confronts something which provides him with intellectual dissonance, this person was a math teacher in. Imonides in our school Maimonides, it's ironic in that school and so he was a bright guy he was a college educated person but it was intellectually dissonant to him to hear that fact so he he was used to his view of Judaism on the one hand and then he heard this new fact which shook him so much so that it can't be but you just saw it you just read it but it can't be I mean, it's an astounding intellectual phenomenon. Where do you go from here? He can say it can't be, but he just read it, but he can't absorb it intellectually. But he just read it. That's a ramba. I could have said it. But he just said it. He just read it. There's <laughs> not for five minutes. It's astounding how that happens intellectually. It's almost as if you're so used intellectually to a certain bit of knowledge that throws you so off that you have to refuse to accept it because otherwise you can't continue so you refuse to accept it and just went his merry way, that's it so in that particular context you find Haramba Maimonides will challenge everybody by the way, everybody so that's this point so now here we find that the Rama provided us with the authoritative model for every single generation and its questions and its challenges right? good so now you're in the 13th or 14th or 15th or 16th or 20th century what are your intellectual challenges? sorry? there are three sorry? good, excellent science is one science in terms of A the age of the universe which well, sure, should be an issue, but it is an issue. B, the issue of evolution, both of which dethrone man from his centrality as taught by religion. The universe is 12.2 billion years old, and human beings are only seven, eight, or nine thousand, or five thousand years old, whatever it may be. So then, who are we? So that's certainly a very serious challenge. Along with the notion of the heliocentric universe, all of that which we've spoken about, other. On other occasions, that's a challenge to the religious world view. Point number one. Number two, what's your second most serious challenge? Actually, more serious than the first. Uh, Islam. No. Why, why are you bothered Islam? I Islam as a religion, no. No, I don't about that. <laughs>
1: existence
0: of God, maybe? No. I would include that as, an, yeah, as, as a feature of science, and philosophy, yeah. Talking about now or then? Right now, tomorrow. I'll close problem of evil. Okay, the problem of evil would be also a challenge to one's faith. Good. But also biblical criticism. Mm. Biblical criticism is that which challenges Torah to its very core. Right? You take a course like that in college, it's hard to remain religiously observant. If you don't know more than just that course. Why? Well, we don't talk about it right now, <laughs>
1: but, I'm sorry? The divinity of the Torah, that and much more correct that's it and that seems a failing of the religious
0: system if the Torah's values do not transcend it's not a value issue it's a question of who wrote the Torah it's a, it's a faith, faith issue it's a
1: discussion
0: correct but uh, that has been I'd say the greatest challenge in the last 50, 50, 70 years it's hard to remain an Orthodox Jew if you take and believe in biblical criticism for obvious reasons, if, you, if one knows what biblical criticism is, as, a, <coughs> as opposed to biblical scholarship. Biblical well, scholarship is an easy discipline. Criticism is a much more serious and difficult challenge.
2: That, that wasn't a problem for a
0: bunch of um, Not biblical... criticism. No, not challenge. No, not in the contemporary understanding of the term. Correct. Absolutely correct. Good. The third... Yeah, sorry. uh, Did the Bible critics necessarily believe that
1: the Bible had a human document or something like that? Absolutely. It started
0: with Wellhausen in the 19th century but going back to a stroke in the 16th, 17th century. Uh They challenged the authority of the Bible. Okay, so these are issues that are striking challenges to Judaism. The third issue, I would say, is psychology. Why is psychology such a difficult challenge to Judaism? Freud, um, Freud, good. Yeah. I was going to
1: say the tax, like your mother, and your parents, whatever.
0: Well, much more than that.
2: But <laughs> yourself, yourself. Yourself. Uh, good. It's good. Ego, yeah. The unconscious. Um,
0: oh, yes. Good. 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 David. Free will. Free
1: will. Uh, right. Uh, free its will,
0: view of ma- its view of man challenges the Torah's understanding and view of man. Right in terms of who you are as a human being, what are your drives, what are your motivations, and of course even something like free will. The names Sigmund Freud and B.F. Skinner should make you shiver. Very difficult. Sexual drives, how do I understand all these issues? Something in terms of homosexuality, which of course is a contemporary issue, and how does one view, the Torah's view of sexuality along with, let's say, certain psychologists who will say this is a normal feature of the human being. Right? These things that have to be analyzed psychologically. I don't want to uh, over superficially just touch upon it. But these disciplines strike at the very roots of the Jewish view, or the Torah view, of man. Interesting. I had a friend, Mordecai Weintraub. Very good boy. Sat next to me in math in high school. A firm kid... And I mean that with all the implications of the word "from." Went to Flappish, went to university, and always interested in psychology. And a very pious individual, you know, much more so than I was in those days, right? Much more so. Came from a religious <coughs> home and everything else. Happened to have seen him ten years after high school. He would gotten his PhD in psychology from NYU. Was the time. So I we spoke a little bit. I met him on a bus, or something a train, and he came across. I said, you know, you don't look like you're really um, the same page as me. He says, of course not. I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He said, me, once you study Freud, and once you study psychology, you can't believe in that old stuff any longer. And I was so upset. I was upset because, first of all, I believe you can believe in the old stuff. Number one. But here was a perfectly innocent Jewish soul who had gone to university without the proper preparation. For it, and dove heavily into the realm of psychology and lost all of his religion. And I think that's simplistic. I think it's naive. He's a great psychologist, I guess, today, but I don't see these two as irreconcilable. I think there are challenges, absolutely. But I think Judaism has to meet those challenges head on as well. Well, he was uh, sort of naive uh, and accepting Freud. So. Uh, uh, yeah, however, well, it's not only that. I don't want to. I don't want to simplify him either. There is challenge, there's no doubt. There are intellectual crises. But I don't think he was attuned enough Jewishly. He only had his high school education, which is, you know, virtually non Those who go to 12 years of Yeshiva, even if you go to Hillel, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, clap. Should I say clap? No, i must say that. No. That needs a teacher. Then that it's... Right? Yes, yes, yes. Right? So, even if you're at Indian schools, it's limited knowledge. It's, it's, it's incredibly limited knowledge. And in high school, unfortunately, we don't give you the tools to deal with these crises. Why not? But
2: that's Why not? intentional. Why not? But Rabbi, that's intentional. There that are a lot of people who say, don't learn about it, don't read about it, don't know about it. You can't handle it. We're not going to tell you about
0: it. In high school, you took a flatbush? It's
2: in flatbush. Um, remember that I don't don't, don't read Freud the answer I don't to know. The Freud is don't read hear don't call Who, it I mean my teacher told you, teacher you that? it's the next we're skipping the next right. portion the class, we all read it went home and read it hmm. good point <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not all of us some of us <laughs> were good students we just skipped it <laughs> uh, it's an interesting point I don't know what the, what the teacher said that you know, I say the opposite. I engage. I want you to engage right now when, I, when I'm here to handle with you. And my lasting message to all my students is that yeah, you could do anything you want. You could study and read anything you want, but come back with your questions. Come back with your questions. Challenge me.
2: But well, when we get the, the literature from the from the community, we says, don't watch television. Don't. Well, okay. Well, that's yeah, nonsensical. Do that. That's the message that uh,
0: goes. You're right. Through. You're right. That's sad and that's unfortunate, and that's your leadership who has, has not gone through the system, university and beyond, PhD work, to be able to deal with those issues. So you're absolutely right about that. You know, we shouldn't dump too much on the community, you know, because we're on tape. <laughs> <laughs> for, one, for one reason. Yeah. Okay. No, but on the other hand, it, it is sad and it's painful even, because you're dealing with people, dealing with, with kids who lose... Their religiosity, their spirituality, and all that, because the leadership in schools or otherwise are not there for them. I wish more kids would come home. And I've had a lot of students who are taking biblical criticism at Penn and other places, at NYU, and they write me letters or they <coughs> they call. <coughs> they go to Israel and they study some issues, and they ask questions. And if they have the time and patience, then we study with them. So in high school education, you don't get enough. You don't get enough of the approach. We can't teach you everything in high school. That's true. But certainly we could and should teach you an approach to how to deal with these kinds of challenges. Methodology, you mean? Sorry? Methodology. Methodology, yeah, the approach. And or in the Dharam's approach. There should be a course in high school which simply raise these questions. And again, we can't go through all the issues, obviously, but what would you do if you confronted by this? And how would you go about it? And that will provide some measure of intellectual security. Because, you know, Harambam is he who provides a model, and again I emphasize, an authoritative model of how to deal with all these challenges. Bam is so overwhelming and so powerful a personality that even those today who are happy with the Rambam, will cannot ignore the Rambam. If you show it to them, they may not accept it on certain levels, but the Rambam says it. Well, what do you want from me? You cannot be labeled a heretic if you're just quoting Maimonides. Goes that same. So now, we all agree. Every new age is modern. Every age presents challenges to the belief system of every single religion. Right? So now, the question is, how does one religiously respond to those challenges? Challenges. There are three options. The first option is to retreat behind ghetto walls. And of course, There are hundreds of thousands and millions of Jews who choose the pathway of ghetto walls. Right? Many Jews do that. They do not allow any of the new ideas, new fads, which they call them, into their worldview. They would say it's all, quote, trace, whatever is new is prohibited, and simply close the door, throw away the key from all of these New ideas, science, religion—just throw it out. Don't allow it to bother you. Right? What's the downside to that approach? Is there a downside? Yeah. What? Okay. What would it be? No growth. Bliss. What's wrong with ignorance? Right. No growth. Uh, narrow, no growth. Good. Yeah, Narrow-mindedness. Yes, absolutely. No good. What is the So what? They can't they can, they can, no, no go the modern The model is right. going to question them with no challenge.
1: And they will
0: get exposed. Yeah? Sorry? They are Okay, good, good, okay, good. Yeah. good. They will be exposed. Hold on one second, I'll come back to Yeah, sorry? It,
1: it sometimes seems, and I'm not pointing at any particular ones, but these people. You always do. We're all naming them. <laughs> that, that by keeping people sheltered like this, they can then exercise a lot more control over their lives. Right, okay, good, but. Leaders right. Own, you
0: know. Absolutely, true. Okay, good, but so what? Yeah?
1: Well, so. I think the, historically Jews
0: are always at the fight, higher level of society. But uh, if you're going to generalize yourself and, and make yourself ignorant, okay, good. So you really. well. Mm-hmm. For some Jews it is. But you're saying, look at it practically first of all. Practically, if you're not up to the modern age, you're not going to remain for very long on any level of society.
1: I, I mean, it's
0: a matter of survival. Number one. Number two, also, you're going to miss out on the benefits of modern of the modern world. What benefits? Of the scientific benefits, let's say. Of the technological benefits, let's say, of the computer research into Jewish topics. Right? You want those medical benefits. So today even those who get away themselves still will not treat themselves medically, communically, right? They they have to know that medical information. They say we don't believe in modern science. So who do you go to when you're ill? You don't go to a witch doctor. You don't go to the Rambam. You don't go to Talmud. You go to a regular doctor. Right? So it, does, it is going to filter in at one point or other. Number one. Even in terms of computer research. Let's say you're a Porsach. And Porsach often deals with life and death issues. Correct? Obviously. No question. Porsach deals with life and death issues. And issues that can affect your quality of life. Let's say you're a Porsach. And somebody comes to you with an infertility question. Right? And let's say your exposure to infertility issues is only, let's say you read ten books of Sakala Khan and they all forbid it. Right? They don't know beyond those books. So you may have to live life without ever having a child. Let's something like in vitro fertilization. If you're a and you are now minded or limited, you don't go beyond. And then it comes to you to that question, right? They let's say you want to use a donor sperm. You have a low sperm count, can't conceive, so you go to the rabbi. The rabbi says absolutely forbidden. So you'll never have a child. As opposed to let's say, a poset who may be more knowledgeable or more aware, says so, no, you can use a donor sperm, right? So now your whole life is changed you have your children, you have children whatever it may be two, three, four, five children because your Poseidh said yes as opposed to Poseidh next door who doesn't have access to reading much more and he said no that's the implication so if you are a Poseidh today and let's say <coughs> uh, you know somebody who is a mom's aunt, right? So the first thing you, you should do is go to a Pusek, who knows how to use a computer, who knows how to use the body line children's rewards, and you want to find all, every means of trying to rectify that person who's a Mamzer, which means the of intestration relationship. If you don't rectify, he can never marry a Jewish person. His whole life has changed. So imagine that scenario. So if you're going to go to a sick, go to somebody who knows everything. Not only one or two or three or five or ten books. Nowadays, a forcec who knows computers is able to reference thousands upon thousands upon thousands of shoulder Hundreds of thousands of shoulder That could change your quality of life. From having children to uh, whether a person is a mom's it or not. That's the benefits of modern technology. Now, if your forcec says, no, I can't deal with this, I don't, want to use it. I don't want to learn computers now. I'm too old or whatever it is. I wouldn't use them as a forcec. It's irresponsible. Oh, he may know somebody who knows that a computer. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, he has to how to formulate the question. Right? Sorry. Good. When I listen to those examples... Oh, there are multiple examples. No, no,
1: but...
0: I mean, just those examples
1: in, in the They seem to... On the, in the process that you're talking about, the one who would go further, there's an underlying... There could be an underlying ethos that's involved. You know, other than... Accepting modernity and accepting the methodology. It's a desire to transcend. Which question are you talking about?
0: Which one? The modern one. The one who's willing to go the extra mile. I think it's answer. irresponsible if you don't. You must. Yeah, but there's more to it than just being willing to accept
1: modern challenges. No, I'm
0: just talking about reading, using computer notes to find the an answer to a question. I- I'm not.
1: But if someone you're making it, make it much more complicated. Answer, yeah, because if someone doesn't want to find an answer to the question, he won't want to bother to go and look somewhere else it's only those who would want to it's a, you, know, you see what I'm getting it's like a, I see it as a, a question of uh, of an ethic that someone has in their approach to halakha
0: okay but um, you're going way beyond what I'm talking about, you're absolutely right but you're going way beyond I'm simply making a very simple statement technological advances as a rabbinic personality gives you access to <coughs> to all this fantastic literature if you don't engage in modern technology because it's modern right? because it's modern you don't want to use a computer to decide a question Eshola <coughs> I think you're responsible because you could change the quality of a person's life in terms of having children and all it means is pressing a button right? so you mean that even almost from almost to say from a
1: quote unquote halachic point of view it's a responsibility of the, of the person to be as up-to-date as possible. Yeah, that's absolutely. That. <laughs>
0: that's the benefit of modern technology. In every which way. As the poset, this is not an attitudinal issue. You're raising an attitudinal, attitudinal issue.
1: Right.
0: Different issue. Different issue. It's another issue that so we can come to, to later on. Mechanical, uh,
1: uh, Simply, yeah.
0: Issue. Yeah. <clears throat> so if, you, if you're a no se who stopped studying at the 14th century, Right? Forget me. You, got to, you have a problem then. If so I didn't read anything from the 15th and 20th century and you have a question and I stopped my learning at the 15th century, how is that going to solve your problem? With well, the 15th century answer, not more than that. You want to make sure that your poor scheme, where you're going to ask your serious life questions, whether it's life and death questions, whether it's life and hazards of life questions, certainly in terms of reproductive issues, you want to sure show your poor scheme? Are up to date. They know also the true world. Now, what if the social rule is not up to date with modern science? Right? That's certainly possible. Modern science may develop an issue, a methodology, a let's say, impregnation of a woman in some fashion or other that we can't even imagine. Right? Ricky, he probably can, right? and let's say you do know that and then he has the obligation, because he has to a religious couple and he goes to a prosaic. so the Porset says, well we haven't dealt with that issue before, that new modern means right? So now it comes to an attitudinal issue is the Porset willing to go the tenth mile to try to work and deal and extrapolate and creatively see whether that new technique is appropriate or not appropriate so that will say absolutely not, what are you talking about, we don't go that way and some post-scheme, the great post-scheme, will say, yes, we're willing to confront that head-on. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was Right, that was an example. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein you know, was willing to do that in terms of the new criteria for brain death. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was up there with the neurologist for weeks on end trying to understand what was the new 1980s, in that period of time, new criteria for brain death. Right? And he worked with Rabbi Tamler and others who knew biology and knew science and... They get to that conclusion. How conclusions? Yeah, sorry. You uh, was first.
2: I, I always had
0: Sorry. But um, he's
2: I always had the um the sense that we when you went to a rabbi you were kind of also looking at their lineage, that it was linear. where did he go to school? Who was this <laughs> rabbi? Who taught him? Which community is he from? Is he a barbers? Is he a you know the, yeah. that, that white hat blah 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 Did he go to Lakewood? Did he do this? And now you're suggesting that you could poseek wherever you could find the right answer for that particular question. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's sort of um, uh, it's, it's a little opportunistic. For the person asking the question? No, for the for the poseek. For the the posek posek? Is, I learned this way. This is how I learned to understand this Torah. This is how, how I learned to. I went to the University. I went to no, here, I went to the No. Everybody there. should
0: should transcend their institutions. If you're a great poseek, you transcend your institutions. So in other words, it's not where you went. I mean, How
2: do you keep your philosophy if you can just click? I mean, you go on the internet, you can find any...
0: You or the Porsig? The Porsig. The Porsig has to have intellectual integrity. Okay. And it's a search for truth. And he has to go beyond what he learned, his institution and his, even his body of knowledge. And he tries to ultimately get to the true answer. So it's not a simply it's a click, but it's, you're searching for truth. And you're aware of the entire system and where that search of truth fits into the entire system. In other words, if you have a question, right? As it's a really bizarre question. Nobody dealt with it except one poor sick in the 17th century dealt with that particular question. Or it may be. Here's an example. I don't really want to go into this example, but here's a funny example, right? Historically, in the 18th century, a non-Jewish woman falls in love with a Jewish person Right? And she converts to marry this person. And the rabbi is doing the wedding, and he finds out that this man is a Kohen. Kohen cannot marry a convert. Right? So now this rabbi stops the wedding, and he runs away. Now you have a whole town of people very angry. Jews and non-Jews. Maybe the non-Jews are angry at you. Right? So you to the Poshikhador. Right? And he is able to... He solves this problem by allowing this kohen, though it's against the Torah, to marry this convert. For whatever his reasons were. All right? Now let's say now, so now we're in the twenty first century. Let's say a rabbi X has the same question. All right? In other words, it's the same situation. Just a woman converts and wants to marry happens to be a Kohan. Right? So now or most rabbis say, No, you can't, too bad. Despite Shmuel Hashem, despite whatever the rationale is, you cannot do so. But let's say you're a rabbi who knows how to use a computer, and you type in the right words, and you find this one posseh. Am I allowed to rely on this one great posse for law in that context? What do you think? Yes. He has if the if there are cases are parallel yeah, explaining enough.
2: Explaining why he. No, you could explain. No, you could explain it. Who, the, no, but the, the prosaic, Did he explain why he allowed it to happen? Yeah, yeah, it? absolutely.
0: No, 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 no. No forsake of responsibility. This is God's law. No one says just do it. These are very serious people over here about very serious issues. So they, they would not just say just do it, right? So they did it for serious. So
2: there was a reasoning.
0: Yeah, whatever it was. Right. So do I have the right to rely on that? So the answer is yes. Although now comes to your philosophy, psalchalacha. Some rabbis will say, no, I will only use the weighing scale system. How many said no? How many said yes? And I will follow the majority, the weight. Right? Others, Rabbi Saladechik 1, will say, I'm going to look for truth. And if truth over here tells me that this one opinion at the last thousand was the correct one, I'm going to follow truth, irrespective of any other conflicts or any other issues. Right? Those are just two possible philosophies. Right? So, it's not simply click, it's, it's a question of your philosophy of Psaqalaka, here as well. Can we go on just a little bit more quickly? Uh, one, yeah, <laughs> I'm fascinated with the the man with a heavy beard, long Paius, he rejects education and science and things like that, and yet he's making full use of his cell phone. Cell phone, good point. <laughs> the of a science, education and research Correct. It's the new. from new. Right. What do you think against Everything else. Correct. That's my point. Correct. Absolutely. So now, yes, we're coming back to this question. The downside to closing yourself off is that you're going to miss the benefits of modern science. You're going to miss the technological benefits of computer research and all those issues. Right? Furthermore, as you pointed out, the tenets of modern culture may sneak in without you even aware of it you are hiding behind your cloistered walls and you won't be able to respond because you're not even aware of those particular issues or influences so you may be influenced by these modern norms without even being cognizant of those influences whatsoever obviously, because you're not even aware of what's out there and your followers may in some manner or other read, know, find out and they're going to at a certain point consider to be irrelevant because at a certain point you're so out of step with the norms of that modern age so out of step that you become irrelevant but now on them. right so to a certain way you're going to work that way you're going to keep blinders on them but at a certain point if you're really out of step what happens you're going to lose your followers not immediately but over the course of time the emperor has no clothes is what's going to be decided by your followers so you, if you if ask that, you may lose over the course of time because so you, you, you're irrelevant. Yeah, sorry, Robert.
2: Yeah, it also seems to me to be at odds with the uh, what seems to me an integral part of the Jewish tradition, that Hamoud tradition, of taking every question and turning it on its head in every way possible to try to come out... Uh, okay, the, uh, yeah, but they, yes. the
0: other side would argue that's only internally with Jewish questions. But they, those who want to cloister themselves We'll say that's true and fine wonderful for that which is Jewish, but anything new and modern, we don't want to even attain that. Okay? So that's the first down. So that's the first option. Close off all modern knowledge, but you're going to risk an awful lot by closing yourself off. Second option might be, as many do, is throw out the old and respect and reject all tradition. Reject all tradition. Whatever is new, whatever is modern, whatever is scientific, whatever is technological, I accept that. And I reject all old norms of truth. Okay, good. Now imagine the following. 150 years ago, 96% of all Jews were quote-unquote orthodox. Right prior to reform. Right? In 1860, let's say, 1850, 1870. You don't know about that, you don't know how the 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> I have interest interesting reform ideas,
1: good point. <laughs> <laughs> Computers, very, very simple. <laughs> Just
0: a click. So imagine that. that. Imagine that, that 90% of Jews were quote-unquote orthodox 120, 130, 140 years ago. Today, it's 6% of Jews are orthodox. Why'd that happen? That's an astounding statement. Over the course of 125 years, people may be worried about the Holocaust. This is much worse. You've lost 92% of your Jews. What, are they not Jewish?
2: In a matter of time, though.
0: Yeah, it's a question simply of time, right? Wait a second, in a matter of time. Right now, 40% of American Jewry, which is the strongest Jewry in the world, 40% have no awareness whatsoever they're Jewish. Zero concern, there are zero interest. In the CJP poll of 1991, there were 5.7 million Jews in America. In the CJP poll of the year 2000, there were 5.2. So you've lost three to four hundred thousand Jews in the course of ten years through intermarriage and through assimilation and going that direction. Which means they say they project that in the year, another year, hundred years. You'll have 100 Jews in America, maybe 100,000 Jews in America. It's a fact. It's a great book you should pick up. It's called The Coming Cataclysm. You read that book, The Coming Cataclysm. It's a 150-page book. Rabbi Bolka, Dr. Bolka, B-U-L-K-A. Bulka, Bolka, B-U-L-K-A. The Coming Cataclysm. And when you read that book, you say, Wow, the guy's right. Based on assimilation, into marriage and all that stuff. There are no more Jews in America. In another 50, 60, 70 years. Based on these trends. One second. So... We are very concerned about these demographic changes. Modernism has destroyed Judaism. Modernism. Because the leadership, the rabbinic leadership, was not able to deal with modernism. We didn't confront it. We said, in the words of the Khatam Sofer, "Hadash asur Torah." Whatever is new is asur. Keep it out. Don't go to America, he said in Europe. <laughs> bad, decision. <laughs> bad decision big time right so besides that particular issue but look what modernism has done imagine that that 150 years ago 90% of Jews were orthodox and few far between those who married out on the roof or who assimilated nobody did today it's exactly the opposite 92% of Jews are assimilating number one now but even those Jews who are conservative strongly conservative what percentage keep kashrut? 4%. 4% of strongly conservative Jews keep kashrut. I did the wedding of a, um, of a particular couple. I won't tell you the whole story. It's a great, great story, but I won't tell it to you right now. Who's the father of the group was the president of the conservative synagogue in my area. So I told him, what, you know, he became religious, whatever it was, and I told the father, your president is shul. How can I ever see you? You going to be able to go to shul. To the conservative shul. So I play golf on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I said, "What's well, you You're the president, you can't play golf, you gotta go to shul. So he said to me, Rabbi. My choice is golf or shul or presidency, you know what's gonna win?
1: <laughs> so
0: don't give me that choice, so I'm not gonna miss my golf game. That's the president of the conservative shul. Their rabbis are the ones who are complaining that nobody's concerned. Front page Jewish Week This Week is an article about conservative Judaism. Is it viable? That's conservative Judaism. Forget about reformed Judaism. They're coming back to tradition because they're losing all their people. So there is concern about how committed are those conservative Reform Jews. Although, thank God they're Jewish, you're right. But the next question is, 50 years from now, where are we at? It's a very serious question. Yeah, David. Isn't, isn't there a paradox in what we, is a paradox? What right
1: the
0: conservative movement and the reform movement, maybe the reform movement
1: is too extreme, but let's say the conservative movement Accepted the challenge of modernity, they were Orthodox Jews who accepted try to try to um, accommodate modernity, and it's a failure. So
0: I mean the paradox is maybe that the only way to do it is to cloister yourself. No, because I think they went they drew the line too close to modernity. I think YU did a great job in really producing leadership. Of the 21st century, I think Yuse elevation and all that is the real answer. Modern Taxi is the real answer. Is
1: that is that
0: continuing today though? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think they have to be in or call dialectical tension with you know the right wing world as well. The right wing world also has provides us with, with with other things that we can learn from right wing world
1: you're right I, I don't want to that's right. I
0: agree problem. with you but still in all and this is, again I don't want to pursue this right now but the question is how to draw the line where to draw the line that's something that we could, could discuss okay so let's go on so the problem here is, how we pointed out is that your second option was to throw out the old reject old tradition and of course, then you've lost the best of what human beings have thought over the last 2,000 years. Be aware, all knowledge is within a context. You need to know that context to properly evaluate the new wisdom. If you throw out the old, all of the accumulated wisdom of all the ages, you're going to see a skewed view of the new information and new knowledge. So if one were to either build cloistered walls and reject, reject modernism, or if one were to do the opposite and reject all tradition and only engage in that which is modern, both of these are imbalances. One needs to know the wisdom of the ages in order to provide perspective and a certain kind of intellectual stability. So that second option, which many have chosen, will also ultimately not succeed even a new scientific fact has to be seen in the context of the development of science to appreciate, to understand one cannot reject all the old and simply adopt that which is new otherwise your new is skewed good the third option of how to deal this is Maimonides is the Ramban which is to keep the old and the new in a tense yet harmonious dialectical carefully calibrated balance that's hard you're right one wants to be loyal to the tradition and yet balance those norms against modern ideas and philosophies you want to maintain an abiding interest and full awareness of that which is modern with all the doubts and certainties that, that it brings and yet also maintain that grasp on the traditional values and norms that you were raised with. You want to be uncompromising in your adherence to the old teachings, and yet open to the new as well. You want to illuminate the old with the new perspectives of the modern world. You do not want to sacrifice the past to the present, nor the present to the past that's the Rambam that is my mind Moshnet Torah obviously is intensely loyal to the old Murey Bukhim is a confrontation of the old with the new Harambam faced the new with a certain intensity and boldness without fear yet complete confidence in Torah would not be undermined by the new philosophical perspectives Harambam was able to shape and to see the old through the lens of the new philosophies and ideas and shape and see the new through the prism of Torah learning. A tense, harmonious, carefully calibrated, balanced perspective. That's the man for all seasons. That's the Harambam accomplished. That is the authoritative model that's going to provide us with the model as you confront the new intellectual challenges of the 21st century. How did Ronald do this? Right? A few basic principles. First, Hanabam had the willingness to accept truth from whatever source it was. We'll just look at this very briefly. It's a great source that you should carry around in your wallet. Right? Do it now. Bless you. This is Rambam's introduction to the eight chapters which is a psychological work. Right? And this principle should be one's guiding principle for all of life and for all of Jewish teachings. Rambam is now writing a psychological treatise. Rambam tells us over here. Right? I'm reading from the right-hand side of the page, Kof Nun Zawed. But I saw it proper to introduce, before I begin my commentary of Shimonat Perakim, I'm going to provide you with eight chapters, necessary chapters, Yidam el Adam atamot, introductions, and this will be an introduction and a key to that which I'm going to explain. No, da! That which I am going to say to you in these chapters, and that was going to be in my commentary on my These are not my thoughts. These are not these ideas that I myself created. I didn't Create These are not my new ideas. However, what are they? In Yanim issues that I have gathered from the words of these sages in the Midrashim and the Talmud and others from their writings and from the words of the actually non-Jewish philosophers, non-Jewish philosophers Kadmonim ancient philosophers namely Plato and Aristotle and new philosophers namely al farabi and Avicenna. And from the writings of many people and these next four words are i say the most critically important words written in the last thousand years of Jewish literature and if you challenge that statement you're not only wrong you're a fool what does say next? Ushma listen to the truth from whatever its source whatever truth is in the Jew or Gentile context wherever the truth is you follow it Jew or Gentile doesn't matter truth is universal truth is transnational truth is not confined to a people or to a boundary so if science tells you X and it's true then you have to follow it now you may say that's only true in this psychological treatise to follow truth Haramban and I did zero out this the few but I left it in the car and my car is traveling someplace else so I don't have it with you right now but I will read this excerpt Very uh, slowly to you. In the midst of one of the critical areas of halakha, right? Critical area of halakha, which is the issue of the Jewish calendar. If we're off the Jewish calendar, you're eating bread on Yom Kippur. That was a mixed metaphor, right? Didn't work. (laughs) Did you get it? Bread, pesach? Okay, good, better. You're passing on pesach, right? So now, the calendar is critically important. So now, how do you establish a Jewish calendar? Right? That's the question. So now the Rambam says, look it up, in Halachot Kiddush HaKodesh, the laws for establishing the Jewish calendar, chapter 17, Halachat 25, right? Look it up. David, look it up. Right? He says, the Rambam says, with respect to the principle which governs all these calculations of how to establish the new moon, while we have to add or deduct certain figures, how all these matters become known and the proof for each of them this is the science of astronomy and mathematics which the Greek philosophers composed many books which are still today the possession of contemporary philosophers and scientists since all these matters have been established by clear demonstrations in which there are no fallacies demonstrations which no one can refute we have no concern with who the author of them was, or whether he was a prophet of Israel or a Gentile. It's science. Period. For in the case of any claim whose principles have been exposed to our scrutiny, and whose truth has been established by sound proofs, in which there is no fallacy, we rely on the person who has set it forth, or taught it only to the extent that his claim has been unequivocally demonstrated. And its principles stand up to our scrutiny. What is he saying over here? Halakhically, Establish Halakha based on non-Jewish sources. So now. Any source. Any source. Any source. Correct. Sorry? Any true source. True source. How do I get the truth? You were not here last week. So you missed it. So you're going to be in the (laughs) dark (laughs) forever. That's a good admission. So therefore you've begun to know if you
1: don't
0: know <laughs> last week we established that one can establish truth by virtue of reason logic and Obama's willing to risk everything on his ability to know the truth based on reason and logic so now Obama's saying okay we're going to establish this halakha based on demonstrated proofs Jew or Gentile right so this is an obvious point right now where do I go with this Let's say we quote a non-Jewish source who provides me with a star confirmation about the ancient Near Eastern world. Should I accept it or not accept it? Would you burn a book, a chumash, that happens to use non-Jewish sources to elucidate historical or philological claims? Oh. If I want to have, I have a Hebrew word, I need philology to understand its ancient. Background: Ugaritic or Akkadian or whatever it may be. Would you burn that book? He's burning, He's burning. <clears throat> He tore it up. That's correct. But I have other rabbinic colleagues who would actually burn it. So you're right. Samson, Rachel Hertz. Hertz, Hertz's Chumash does include a whole list of non-Jewish sources. Of non but what's the problem? We don't care what the author is, as long as it provides us with okay. the truth. So if it's not true then throw it out. But if it is true, then accept it. So why are you burning Hertz Chumash, which I did get from my from Sion, by the way, so don't blame me for the book, which you all got. How many people they let in there? I'm sorry?
1: They let it in Today. No,
0: they say they let it in. 60, 70,
1: Right. They gave it out. They gave it out. Book. Two red
0: books. Two red books, that's what I have. It's <laughs> astounding how today they'll burn that book and yet, why, because look at all the non jews and I have rabbis in my area that say look at all the non-Jewish sources, so what's the problem with non-Jewish sources? the says you can use non-Jewish sources not to establish halakha or history, or whatever the case may be number one the, <coughs> the rabbin had a willingness to accept truth from whatever its source we've seen it in Shemar you see it in halacha. he did not feel himself bound by the old when he discovered truth of modern philosophy Similarly, Haramba makes the same exact point, which again is in the card, in Mureen part 2, chapter 8, where he tells you that accept the new truths of astronomy. Mureen 2, 8. The new truths of astronomy. Even though it contradicts Talmudic statements. Because you know he says, Masaki Pesachim, page Sadiq Talib, which says why? Where the rabbis themselves admitted, not knowing what the Greek philosophers knew about astronomy the Greeks were right and we are wrong so the rabbis themselves admitted to not knowing certain astronomical facts and therefore the rabbis said accept the truth from wherever it comes Two eight in Morin as well and where the rabbis came to the conclusion virtually alone in the entire Middle Ages as to the fallaciousness of astrology as opposed to astronomy. He rejects all astrological claims, right? Even though the Talmud itself, the venerated Talmud says you must believe in astrology. Tom says, no, don't listen to that. He has an entire letter on astrology. It's um, is to, I think I have a card. Um, car. It's in the card, right? Um, I think it's um, his, letter, his letter on astrology, right? his Letter on Astrology, which talks about that that though the Talmud says it, we can reject it because it's false. Right? His Letter on Astrology. So, in all these areas, Harambam is the authoritative model as a man for all seasons in giving us a approach to whatever challenges you're going to have, whatever they may be. And yet... Some of you picked up on the notion that one has to approach the modern information, the modern knowledge, critically, using reason and demonstration of fact. If it's proven, accept it. If it's not proven, reject it. If it's questionable, wait and see. Obviously. Now, let's say the rock. That's so nice, sorry. Is <laughs> 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 my wife? I'm to come home. Oh, your wife, I'm going
2: to go home. Well, we're in Yeah, in the middle of the class. Yeah, sure. so What is that? Five minutes. Tell five minutes. Five minutes.
0: Five minutes. Five. Say hello to me. Five
1: minutes.
0: Say hello to me. I'm going to have to rabbi fill you up. Thank you. Shall we invite? Okay, good. Now, where's the, where's the greatest example? And this again is in the car as well that where Harambaum does this obviously you all know the source of Vakim part 2 chapter 25 creation and eternity here creation is no longer proven eternity is Aristotelianly proven and therefore we must reinterpret Reinterpret all those, all those statements which talk about creation you have to reinterpret it because Aristotle proves it Harambam put his money where his mouth is very simply he was willing to reinterpret all of those verses because Aristotle proved it Right? And that context, of course, has to be seen in and of itself, but we won't go to it right now. So Now, apply this model to all the challenges we spoke about before. Scientific issues of today. A, regarding age and universe. Is it proven? What are you... What? What's not proven?
1: <laughs> of okay. yeah. oh, oh, course it's proven.
0: Okay. So if one were to... However one interprets it. If one were to see the age of the universe as proven, then you the Jew must accept it. Evolution. Is it proven, Harvey? No, it's not. (laughs) Wake him up, kick him, give him some tea, something. Evolution has a lot of issues with it. Now, virtually proven, almost proven, somewhat proven, are all these issues over here. So now one can still maintain, let's say, Maybe two percent of the uh, scientific community don't believe in it. That's true. But also, since it's not proven, I'm not required necessarily to believe in it. You know. So okay, now we can debate, that we can discuss to what degree you want to accept it. Right?
2: The issue, I think, is not whether evolution is proven or not proven. It's whether a person accepts the attempt of human beings to try to understand but. this this process of the differentiation of animals and as human
0: beings. Okay, good. So, so
2: that's the conflict. Part of the conflict So what would the Ramam
0: say in light of that point? What would the Ramam say? formulate your question again. You're saying it again.
2: That the issue is not whether evolution is true or not true. Okay. But whether we accept the scientific method that will allow us to establish whether evolution okay, is okay, what would the Ram
0: say to that? Sure. Let it happen. Exactly. So the Ramsay the Ram would provide us, number one, with truth from whatever source it is. Number two, the notion that knowledge is a necessary feature in religion. Knowledge from whatever source it is, chokhmah, throughout all of his writings, halakhic, philosophical, knowledge is a necessary feature in religious service, religious worship. Right? Truth, knowledge, and the ability of human reason to determine these issues. So you maintain that, of course, intense loyalty to the old as you're willing to use scientific methodology in figuring out the answer to these questions. How would say, obviously, one want to do so? How did, did so? So has he not provided us with the model to face all these issues, whatever they may be? Whatever challenge or crisis you have, if it's true and it's proven, one accepts it. One has no choice but to accept it. Yeah. Can you have a question? Well... How far would he go? Let's, for
1: instance,
0: say that theology proves that the exodus never occurred. Well, you what books have you been reading? Let's assume for argument's sake. You don't like my daughter. What? You don't like eating my daughter. No, as a matter of fact, no. I know it. And my says <laughs> you don't like either. So there's no special there's no there. so the favor. So if it's proven, then you one cannot accept it. Of course, you one cannot. You have to know the canons of proof. I mean, you have to know what really is proof. That's the person we spoke about last week. Well, you say, what is truth? Is truth. I mean, no, no, truth things. is truth. What is provable? What is proven? You
1: can,
0: uh, to what degree can one prove something like this? is an epistemological question. Well,
1: you said truth as yes, yes, well. way in
0: the pet. If they can, we have to accept truth from whatever its source. But you see, you're willing to And reinterpret whatever I have to reinterpret. Here, just here. You're willing to accept that they proved the age of the world, but you're not willing to accept that they
1: proved uh, evolution.
0: Uh, whatever the scientific community I says about it. I'm, I'm quoting scientists. I did it two, you know, three, four weeks ago, whatever it was. <laughs> whatever the scientific
1: community <coughs> <Whatever> the about <coughs>
0: The point that I'm trying to make is that it's not as simple as it, as
1: you make it, as it appears.
0: To be. Make it more complex. Yeah,
1: like no, I No, mean, because it's difficult to understand. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean, no, but you're if you were saying to me that they've proved the age of the world, and I don't know whether even scientists have said it. I mean, if it's during years here, during years there,
0: they've proved the age of the world. Oh, I don't just come down to an exact year as to how, how... No, but I don't think than 5,000 years. That's what, no, that's, no, what that's, that's what I mean. No, that's what no, I mean by proof. So, I mean, they, they, to the same extent that proved evolution. I think there's enough science of the proof. Agreed. Uh, I, I agree.
1: agree. Uh, there's the a but they haven't absolutely Agreed. proved evolution. Well, I, I don't think any scientist uh, would say that evolution has been proven. We agree. We agree. uh, I'm not disagreeing with you. The the point is that...
0: uh, uh, It doesn't shake me. This doesn't rock me. This is fine. If uh, if evolution has been, to whatever degree it's proven, I'm going to accept it. Uh, It seems to me that Maimonides can be seen as a heretic. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a radical statement. (laughs) Many have said that. But it is Maimonides. He is the Rambam. I don't no. know. so you're throwing out all of Jewish the last phase of Jewish literature
1: <coughs> if what he's saying the ultimate goal is truth the truth shows that
0: principles in the Bible are not uh, that what's said in the Bible is not true what? But get to get concrete <coughs> what if, if you if you don't if we disprove creation we discussed a couple of weeks ago that there is no scientific proof that the Exodus occurred that archaeology the, the just, fact that we, we haven't proved that it did occur does that mean that it did not necessarily not occur. That's not proof. No, 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 no. The, fact is, is, yeah, no, no, no. Okay. the absence of evidence is not proof. Evidence of the... Obviously, no, uh, right. right. in an absence of evidence, I mean, it didn't happen. No. <laughs> so, uh, but if there were to be no proof, I, I, again, how do you prove that? We have to the canons of proof, there's canons of historical proof, right? Get the best historians and archaeologists, get them in the room together, and they may say it didn't happen. Well, how do you prove it, something didn't happen so there is some degree of, of evidence that didn't happen but it's not absolute you can't prove it absolutely I'm not required to reinterpret if it's not proven absolutely creation if it were proven to not have happened as Aristotle maintained in his day then I have to reinterpret all of Bereshit excess is certainly less, it is less powerful than creation right so the reality is that model truth from whatever its source the value of knowledge in coming to halakha conclusions as well as general issues that's synonymous so he's the authoritative model of confronting these crises okay yeah uh, yes.
2: is there instances where he's through, he's gone through his logic my mind, and gotten to a certain result based on absolute proof or absolute logic and then
0: we know today that it's incorrect it's on how you define some of your terms
2: For example, the Ramam
0: believed that he proved God's existence. Right? Now, based on cosmological proofs, which is based on Aristotelian science. So now, we may reject Aristotelian science, right? And we may reject the Ramam's quote-unquote proofs for this. And certainly since Kant, most philosophers have not accepted the cosmological or ontological proofs of God's existence although in the last 20 years 30 years, 40 years philosophers have come back to certain proofs in quotes for God's existence so it depends on how you define certain terms but I'm not concerned with the Rambam's truth in quotes I'm concerned with the Rambam as a model for me to follow and try to solve life's new challenges but
2: if they have practical implications then the Rambam's that he thought he had proved changed later on
0: Good, and I could problem. live with that and I could live with it. That. that's the point that's a good point the interesting rabbinic statement right on the Pasuk of Shemot yud Bet Pasuk Aleph Chorazazelakhem Rosh Hodashim lachem right what word there is bizarre I say it again more slowly how is <laughs> Hebrew comes up fast in English sometimes? How is <laughs> Which word is out of place? Lakem. Hakorizel Lachem. Rosh What do you think I'm about to say on lachem? <laughs> lachem, this is the whole Jewish calendar issue. <laughs> Even if you made a mistake in determining when the calendar is and if you're going to be eating on Yom Kippur, God accepts it. What a incredible statement of liberation. It's not an absolute system God is saying. If you as a Bedin intentionally change the Torah let's say, whatever it was, intentionally, God says, I accept it. Now, what's the implication of that rabbinic statement? That Torah is going to accept you and your humanity and in your mistakes, your foibles intentional. The Torahs that give to Malachin to angels It's not an absolute truth system We make mistakes So the Rambam is saying I could live with that And In an issue that we read before the paragraph and The Rambam is saying That if it's been established a clear demonstration I accept it And the German account is based on it But even if it were not so And we, this was at the end of the day This was proven to be false Nishkevelech Okay, we can live with it because we're not obligated to go, to go beyond the human capacity for truth. Right. So what I'm saying is search for truth. Don't be afraid. Accept knowledge from whatever it's source. And decide halakhic issues based on your search. And if you're wrong, it's okay too. Right. David. What did I say right? I mean,
2: you said it, wrong, it's okay
0: okay <coughs> so Harambam over here truly really is this great model for all season. I don't see anybody can challenge this statement Harambam is giving you the goods by which to confront any <coughs> challenge his principles of the search for truth openness to knowledge his willingness to interpret his willingness to start halakha based on these even though he may err is aware of all that I said to you. All this gives us this authoritative model to study anything and everything. And if it challenges you, then solve it. But let's emphasize: Rambam had a, again, intense devotion to the old. Rambam was not going to loosely push aside anything. Rambam was a rabbinic Jew first and foremost. And all the other knowledge and all the other issues that he had thought about all played, one would say, second fiddle to his intense devotion to Judaism. So now, Kenny's point was, what if you proved Rambam Judaism untrue? So what do you mean by that? So Kenny means by that we proved there was no hard sinai. Then what do we do? So the question is, can you prove that? What would Baum say? I mean. So Rambam knew that point. Rambam said saying that you cannot prove there was no hard sinai. You can't prove a negative in the past. Right? You can't prove that. So Rambam knew the canons of proof. His first work was I'm sorry? We could be mistaken on that thought. What thought? That you can't prove the non existence oh. of hard sinai. Okay, so in the last thousand years, nobody figured out how to prove a negative. <laughs> A thousand right. my mind. Okay, so the Rambam we will to deal with that issue at that point. The Rambam is saying that I have confidence enough in Judaism that that's not going to throw me at this point. That's not going to throw me. Any questions? Yeah, we're pretty clear about this, yeah.
2: Yeah. First, uh, just a quick, who, who is the um, who wrote the commentary in this page?
0: Uh, Rabinowitz Rabinowitz it's a, it's a wonderful series. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's a good commentary. It's a good contemporary uh, footnotes.
2: Uh, yeah, I love the commentary. That. My second question is the main question is we, we berated before the conservative and the reform. I uh, I was too it's far. It's too strong of a term. <laughs> they're going too far into modernity. Yeah. Uh, that they carried it too far, they don't follow the, the or anything like that. But everything that you said since that <laughs> indicates the that they were onto something that was important, which was to emphasize the flexibility and the honesty of Judaism. So it's kept the modern world as evidence was And I am I having trouble trying to see how that solution is worse.
0: They weren't loyal enough to, tra- to, to tradition. But who's in certain, certain
2: guidelines?
0: Right? Yeah, the guidelines would be critical. Their leadership. How, how do you deny that? Okay, again, their leadership went too far. And a, a good example of that I'd say, would be the reform movement's patronilineal decision. <coughs> and they, it, the 1980s. Passing down the Judaism. Through the father. So now you have a lot of non-Jewish kids running around the name Goldstein. I mean, hundreds of thousands of just to name Goldstein and they're not Jewish. Because the mother wasn't Jewish. They changed 2,000 years of halakhic precedent. How dare they? Changing 2,000 years of halakhic precedent because you decide in 1983, patrilineal decision, you can't do that. Well,
2: I'm not... I'm not Defending it, defending it, thank God. them. Hmm. But my understanding is, the decision was that since we had um, irrefutable proof now, we, we had the ability to prove beyond a doubt the the, uh, the fatherhood of a child.
0: Uh, who said it was the of fatherhood?
2: That was the, the reason. Who said that was
0: the reason? What is the reason? If the, if the argument is that the only way you should tell who said that was the argument? Well, that seems to be the argument. Not at all. To the contrary, yeah. look yeah. at yeah. Mashech Yevamot. Go back, go back to the Talmudic sources where we do discuss the question of how we determine who is a Jew, right? And traditionally, for the next two thousand years, who was determined by the mother? Who said that the reason was because we couldn't know who the father was? would really the most obvious reason. But that may not be the Talmudic reason what is the reason oh, we're not going to do it right now but the, <laughs> <laughs> that's another topic no. worse than the sopranos we've got to know
2: what's going to happen
0: oh is that back on <laughs> <laughs> the point is that science has made it now that you
1: know <laughs> who said that's
0: the reason Talmudically Halacha <laughs> has determined that the motherhood determines the status of the child we don't know the Talmud does not say to us we're talking to the Mem Zayim does not talk to us about that, that it's because we don't know who the father is now, we have 2,000 years of Talmudic halakhic tradition which says we determine Judaism by the mother. Correct? Just because the law has been on the books for 2,000 years doesn't necessarily mean that it's smart, that it was made right the first time. And I'm not saying that question doesn't have its value. But the fact that 2,000 years loyalty. you 2,000 yes. years, therefore yes. it's learned. no. So that's, no, that's the problem. The, and I, maybe I didn't emphasize enough. The Rambam is saying that you have to accept the halakhic system and tradition as it is. Harambam remains intensely loyal to the principles of Judaism, of Torah, of the Tamiric commentary on it. Unless they make a statement, let's be very clear, about, let's say something that was absolutely false. Let's say they said, med- medically, let's say they said the statement, most babies are born breech. Right? Which is not true today. Or it wasn't true then either. Right? Then they made a statement. Now, we know for scientific fact that it's not the case whatever the reason. So we, we reject that type of study based on tr- a true analysis, scientifically, of the facts. Right? So now, that's one type of a statement. However, if the Talmud says Judaism is determined by motherhood, then we accept it, because that's the principle. Similar to, is kosher eating for your health? Reform movement said yes. So once trichinosis and the shakrino were discovered, we can now eat pork. So the Ronald would never accept something like that. Nobody said, who said, that eating kosher is healthier.
2: So, so I mean. that's from the Bible. What, that's from the Torah. What about the, the major lineage?
0: It's Talmudic. It's, it's Talmudic. Talmudic. So at the very minimum, it's Talmudic, I would say. And doesn't he say that you have to understand the reasoning behind the law? Yes. Good. Excellent. However, he also says in morning de Bukhin, part three introduction, which you were not aware of, that even if we don't know the reasoning, throughout Mishdir Torah, we should come back to this, throughout Mishdir Torah, he will interpose reasons, Tameh Mitzvot. And the most intensive part of Munen Abuqim, part 3, 26 through 49, is all about Tameh Mitzvot. But he says to you as well, if you don't know the reason, don't jettison the law. That would be missing that tense balance. <coughs> Assuming that I know, I know the reason, and because it doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to follow the law. No. I'm saying that. You have to make, you make, the rabbis as a traditional, loyal Jew. He's maintaining his halachic persona throughout everything. That does not come under the purview of, you go home already. <laughs> it's probably my wife this time. She wants me to on too. So the Rambam is again intensely loyal to his tradition, and he's not going to jettison that which he thinks might be, may not be a reason. He tells us at the very beginning of his discussion of Talmud, only that which is a scientific question or otherwise would he would he reject as astrology, something like this. But halachically, whatever in the halachic system, which is Torah and Talmud, he's going to accept, even if it doesn't make any sense, even if it doesn't have a reason. Depends, we need we need not to make case of generalizations. So we need to, we need to specify. I'm just saying. I, mean, you can, I, I don't know what what do you mean by any sense? Well, I, mean, you, I don't. You can pick out a particular law that doesn't make any sense. He would not reject that. John may may or may not make any sense. He would never reject something like that. So where's his loyalty to, to looking for truth and looking for a reason? Just truth reason. is truth is not necessarily what you think is rational at this point in time. He's not going to, again, jettison Paradumao, any of the hokim. He had a very good sense of this. He knew all this. And he was not willing to jettison any of the hokim, any of these so-called non-rational laws, because it didn't make sense to him. What didn't make sense to him. He's not willing to do that. At this point, at his point in time. Now, if you're saying you want to go beyond that, and say no, I'm willing to put the entire Jewish tradition of Torah and Talmud under the scrutiny of 21st century science and reason. As I say, the Reform movement has done. Then that would then you've gone beyond the boundaries of my Maimonidean approach to things. Yes, yeah, one it, it? Yeah, Rob was waiting. Uh, the Torah itself is, as I understand it,
2: divinely inspired.
0: In quotes. Put that.
2: Okay, well that's for consideration because in other words, now if something uh, let's say like you mentioned, astrology is in the Talmud. In other words, astrology. Astrology. Uh, I'm sorry, astrology uh, is in the Talmud. In other words, it's having it both ways. It's divinely inspired, but yet if there's something
0: wrong, no. So changing, you know? well, a you would want to look at how does the Ramam understand that statement, divinely inspired Talmud. Where do we see that in the Talmud itself? That the rabbis of the Talmud say that? I'm not sure where you got that idea from. So I, it is around, but I don't know, you know how authoritative that notion is. Would the Ram accept that statement? I mean, I've heard that Rashid is also divinely inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, but the Rashid himself says, I don't know certain things. So I would not necessarily accept that statement of faith value without you bringing me more proof, Talmudically, that the Talmud itself felt itself to be divinely inspired. To the contrary, Talmud itself says, the words of the Greek philosophers are more correct than our words, right? we just mentioned that point in astro- astronomical issues. So it obviously does not see itself to the contrary. In Mavametiah, where it says Lo B'Shavaiim He, that very famous incident, it says it's not divinely inspired. The law is in the hands of humans to shape and fashion. The source Torah is divinely inspired, but it's certainly not the words of the rabbis. So I'm not, you have to prove that statement further before we address it.
2: But you just said, when we were talking about maternal and paternal uh, uh, tracking, that's the not that we have to accept it. Then when it comes not to because to it's the volume, necessarily. To
0: uh, sorry? No, because astrology is proven false. Not proven. Astrology was viewed by the Rambam as being proven false. Okay, let's look at it from the Rambam. So he said it's proven false. You, you may still believe in astrology. That's...
2: I've not proven another
0: negative. The, no, the Rama's round, the point is that astrology has been proven false. Therefore, any time you say that, that effect are not to be taken at, at face value. Correct. But that's very different than saying that the Talmud says Judaism is determined by mother. Right? That's not a scientific fact or not a fact. It's, it's a statement to be taken. Not necessarily because it's divine inspired because it's part of a system that has to be accepted in order to define you who you are. Unless you want to go beyond the boundaries of his system, which we can call Orthodox Judaism in a certain sense, a find a certain sense, and that's Reform and Conservative Judaism. So, Or certainly Reform Judaism. They're willing to do what Kenny is willing to do. We we'll take every statement, Torah or Talmud, and we're willing to, if we don't like it, we're throwing it out. there. They don't like Mamzeh, They're throwing it out. We're not willing to say that. that I, I think
2: that what they're saying is, we, Who, Reform Jews? We can't understand Reformed, and I'm not speaking for them. I think that they probably are saying the rationale of having the uh, lineage follow through the mother was quite understandable, but in order to expand the, the <coughs> network of Jews, we can accept today that we can follow the father because we know that we can definitely. Okay, so
0: they're assuming that, that rationale. By that logic, maybe if you have one neighbor that's a Jew, then you're a Jew also. I mean, you yeah, exactly. A yeah, and we can't... We they say, exactly. We're not going to expand the network based on their need to attract more Jews.
1: Rabbi, could you be saying that if the Gemara says, the Gemara basically says that the uh, religion is decided by, by the mother. If, on the other hand, it says it is decided by the mother, but we have no proof, we can never figure out if the father was involved, or which father was involved, then you can say it be proven false. But what they're saying right now is the rule of the game.
0: Exactly. That's what I said. Right. Correct. <laughs> right. Okay. Last question, because I have to run. We're really getting late. I'm not done that great. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe the test to know if they uh, draw the line is we have we have their
1: failure. We have the reform movement's failure. To Good back. point. <laughs> maybe we can use again, like you suggested, Maimonides as a model, and the psychological understanding of, of Corbanot to use it for Corbanot. That you can only take people so far in one, in a step at a time, in a stepwise ascension. Maybe to ask us to go from matrilineal descent to natural descent in one fell swoop is too much for us to take all at one time. And maybe ultimately there will be a place for matrilineal descent. You see, it's
0: just maybe it's just too hard for us to jump. Perhaps into that. I, I don't think I think that the type of statement has to go back to the Talmudic source of it. But,
1: you, you see, in the, even in in uh, in Hosef, that there is this this uh, willing, you know, this need to uh, anchor itself in the tradition and yet still progress and move forward. Uh-huh. So while they'll say, you know, this is we're really basing it on the, the halakha that exists, it, it is really an advancement. It's almost just like paying lip service to it.
0: Who, the posex? In, in, in certain posex. Case generalization. Okay. You need
1: specifics. I don't have a specific in mind. I've heard
0: examples. I can't deal with your vague <laughs> statements. <laughs> you have to tell me about something specific. I'm not sure in what you fact, mean by lip I take the question off the table.
1: Good. <laughs> Time to go home. Uh, a quick one. Yes. Reform claimed that before Mount Sinai, past a linearity Is that true? <laughs> before Mount Sinai, the reform claim
0: that patrilineality prevailed, that it went according to the Father. Is that true? It's, stu- it's, it's taking the, the Torah, taking the Bible, what does the Bible say about this particular issue? Well, we know. I know it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's too loose. Again, it's, it's a David type of a statement.
2: Well, I mean, I'm talking about their claim. I'm talking about, it's, it's
0: dealing with the, the apples and oranges. In other words, the Bible. Who is Jewish by virtue of the Bible? We don't have enough information. Yeah. Take the Torah. pre Sinai. Take uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their wives were, let's say, pagans. I mean, they were pagans in a certain sense. So then they became part of the Abrahamic covenant, let's say. So, Sarah, Rivka. Where does Rivkah come from? Rivka comes from the house of Lavan. Right? So her children. It, it, it's, it's not dealt with in the Bible in a legal context. But the children
2: are defined by the father.
0: I, I wouldn't apply that model because it's not there's no issues, no discussion about it. So even if it were even if it were, right? The Torah or Talmud comes along and redefines it how they want to redefine it. That's a part of the given of the system. Now again one if one wants to try to rationalize it as one does with health issues and say it's no longer relevant, that's a reform position. It's not in my mind a DM position. I want to leave you with this emphasis, how Rambam was Again, intensely committed to Torah and Torah Shabbat al And yet he was willing to subject that to the scrutiny of reason and the search for truth from whatever its source. So now if you have an example where that yes. modern reason and logic would overturn a Torah principle, then we have to analyze that in its own context, see how far it goes. Questions? No go. <laughs>